Would you like to become a fascinating personality, break free from plateaus and gain power over your mental resources and your full potential? You came to the right place. Welcome to a magical journey to yourself. This show is made in Germany. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or PureMindMagic.club. Welcome to Season 1, Shaping Your Reality. And here is your host, international magician, speaker, and book author, Victoria Mavis. Ladies and gentlemen, great that you have tuned in again to Pure Mind Magic. And before we start with today's interview, I have a special opportunity for you. You can get a free audiobook. You can choose by yourself from thousands of thousands of books by clicking on the link in the show notes. You can test the whole service 30 days completely for free. I am now an affiliate partner of this platform because I think the service is really great and you can grab your audiobook and listen wherever you want. Maybe in your car before you go to sleep or whatever. Choose your audiobook and with that you also support the Pure Mind Magic podcast. So everybody wins and now we get into today's interview. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a new episode of the Pure Mind Magic podcast. And this episode today will be really entertaining and really close to my profession because we are talking about mind reading. And for that, I found almost like a coincidence, a colleague from me, from Chicago, and his name is Jonathan Pritchard. He is a mind reader, an author and a performer. And we will dig deep today into mentalism, magic and how to transfer all this knowledge from the show business of magic and mentalism and mind reading to your life to make it better, bigger and everything you like. So here's for you live from Chicago, Jonathan Pritchard. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I am super happy to be here. That sounds good. That is a good start. And Jonathan, maybe we start right away with you introducing yourself to the audience. Yeah, my background is I grew up doing magic tricks. And when I was a teenager, I got interested in the mind reading tricks. And then in college, got interested in why magic and mind reading is even possible in the first place which led me down a rabbit hole of understanding how people navigate reality. And over the course of, of my career, I've kind of entertained the U.S. troops stationed overseas. I've been on TV, performed in Vegas. So basically all the big check boxes you would have as a performer, I've, I've been there, done that, 
and realized that all the strategies and mindsets and and uh, ways of thinking about opportunities that I used to do all that fun stuff applies in business and relationships and self-discipline and confidence and all that kind of stuff. So I realized, you know, maybe this stuff has uh, value beyond the stage. And that's kind of how I started my second career as a speaker and a business consultant. And uh, doing all that is why I wrote the book on how to think like a mind reader, which is to think so effectively and efficiently that you make the most out of what you already have. So it's just been so much fun sharing my message with the world and, and helping people build a life that they're happy with. That was a great introduction, Jonathan, and it sounds like we are pretty much on the same path there. So can you tell us what are the strategies, tips and tricks you detected while you are, were performing as a mind reader that we can apply to our own lives to make it better? I think the first thing off the bat is what do you want? Right. Yeah. Most most people never really sit down and think about it because they live the life they think they should be living, which is the life they've been told by their family, their parents, their friends who are just living the life that everybody else has been telling them to live. Right. So most people are living an idea of what they want instead of what they really, truly want and would be happy with. And a, a big barrier to that is a lot of fear surrounding, well, that life isn't possible for all these reasons. Well, all those reasons that you think it's not possible are the excuses other people have told you to keep you in the track they want you in, right? So a lot of it has to do with kind of deprogramming what it is you believe you want to get to what it is you actually want. That is a really good start from where to go. So for our listeners to make it clear, where would you make the difference between classic magic and mentalism? To me, the, the difference between classic magic and mentalism is A magician does tricks with objects and things. Right? They, they kind of transcend the, the boundaries of physical reality. Whereas a mentalist does tricks with information, right? mind reading. So uh, another way of putting that is an audience, when a magician does something, the audience thinks, wow, how did they do that? And when a mentalist does something, the audience thinks, wow, how did they know that? Right? So that's that's kind of the difference between the two. And I, I'm one of those people that uh, that thinks there is a big difference between magic and mentalism, right? Because it's it's all about the context, right? Like a mentalist could start a cult. Right? They they could start a, a cult following. Whereas a magician is very entertaining and fun, but everybody goes, okay, magic's not real. But in the context of a mentalism show, they go, okay, there's something about this person. They, they're definitely tuned into something else. Uh, wow, I, I want to be in their cult. <laughs> 
Yes, that is really a good way to put it, I think. And uh, what I really love about mentalism as well compared to magic is that it packs small and really plays big. Right, right. It, it, It's so abstract that the, I mean, all magic, the, the broad term magic, whether it's a magician or mentalism, the only place that the magic trick exists is in the mind of the audience, right? So it, it's solely in the experience of the people who are watching it. And that's the only place that magic lives. But you're right, magicians have a lot of stuff that they use to make that happen. Whereas mentalism is is a lot, I don't know how to, it's pure, right? There, there's fewer props and material to work with. It's so much focused on the information and the experience that, uh, yeah, a whole mentalism show can fit in a briefcase, whereas a, a lot of magic shows will fill up an entire truck or 12 trucks if you're Copperfield. Yes, that is so true what you are saying, Jonathan. And I think that makes mentalism so impressive because you can start a whole show around mind reading with just uh, some paper and a pencil. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, a good mentalist starts with that, that paper and a pencil and, and can do amazing things. And to me, a great mentalist starts with the audience. Right of of showing the audience what they're capable of, and and showing them what their mind could really do, if only they understood how the mind works. That is true, and uh, being on stage as a mentalist, it really requires a lot of presence and being right there in the moment, knowing exactly what you do. What would you say? Yeah, that that is a big thing. Some of the <laughs> some of the least entertaining shows I've seen are the result of the performer saying, "You know what? I'll just wing it. I know I've got a bunch of tricks and I'll just go with the flow." Now, some of the best performers can do that because they have a lifetime's worth of performing. And they are so competent that they could do that. There are very few of those people, though, right? So if you don't have that lifetime of performing to draw on, it's really important to have a script, to have a, a set list that you know inside and out. Because as the performer, it's your job to know where you want to take the audience. It's literally your job to to craft the experience that the audience is there to get from you, right? So if you don't know exactly what you're going to say and exactly how you're going to say it and where you're going to go after this is done, right, it's really difficult to have that presence as a performer. And without that presence, the audience kind of feels like, I don't know, this guy doesn't know where he's taking us. He, he's taken a lot of time to figure out where he's going, so he lacks the confidence. And if he doesn't have confidence, I don't have confidence in them. And then that's how you get hecklers and people walking out and your show just spirals out out of control. 
That is a good point, and I think that can help in the real life as well. So being confident really is like a magic key, I think we can say. It really is. It really is. And and people always want to know, well, how could I be more confident? Can I just kind of fake it until I make it? It's like that is a strategy, but the one that works the best and the fastest is to work on the skills you need for that particular dynamic, right? If you want to be confident in front of a large group of people, work on your public speaking skills. If you want to be confident as a magician, work on your magician skills, right? You can't just dream up confidence. Confidence happens after you've built the skills required to be confident. Very good explanation, Jonathan. So as magicians, we are famous for playing with boxes. As you mentioned, sometimes the boxes fit into 12 trucks or more. And uh -huh. this is this famous term like, uh, yeah, playing with boxes, small and bigger boxes, making people appear or disappear on stage. But you are also a fan of the term thinking outside the box as I am. What can you tell us about that? For me, the, the number one thing is most people, when they say we need to think outside the box, first have no clue what the box itself is. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you don't know what the box is, how can you think outside of it? You can't. Right? That is so true. So, Yeah, so that's why most people, when they go, we need to think outside the box. It was like, well, can you tell me what the box is? No? Well, <laughs> good luck thinking outside of it. But really, the the box that people are so fond of thinking outside of are the assumptions and beliefs that you have ingrained so thoroughly that you're not even aware they're there in the first place. So it's kind of like telling fish You need to be aware of the water. Like, what, what are you talking about, water? It's like we, they're so familiar with it that they don't even see it anymore. Right? So it, it takes somebody like us, magicians and mentalists, who make a living thinking outside the assumptions that an audience does, that we truly are uniquely qualified to show people where their assumptions are. Because that's the only way that magic tricks work. So we as the mystery performer create a context for our audiences to make logical assumptions about what's going on that we later show aren't true. Right? That's the definition of, of every magic trick, every mind reading trick you've ever seen. The magician creates a context for the audience to make logical assumptions that are later shown to not be true. Right. So the box that you're trying to think outside of is really the most logical way that you have to think about reality. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truest way or the most effective way of thinking about the world, but it's the most logical way that that person has to think about their problems and opportunities. But people that are more successful or more capable in a particular domain that you want to be good at, well, their box is more effective than yours is. So you can't ever really think outside the box, but you could always think outside your box 
by building somebody else's framework of thinking about problems and a situation. So that's why it's important to have a mentor, a coach, have somebody outside of your experience being able to provide a, a different perspective on your situation. Wow, I would say that was a magical explanation to think outside <laughs> the box. <laughs> Very Thank good. You. I like that. So let's stay with the thinking term because uh, you mentioned in the beginning that you did write a book with the title Think Like a Mind Reader. So the title sounds great. What is the book about? It is about making the most out of what you already have. And uh, a short story to kind of illustrate that is when I was in junior high, my parents got me a skateboard. I'd asked for it forever, and they finally said, fine, we'll get you a skateboard. And and uh, I practiced with it all the time, and I, I never got good at doing any tricks. I just – I wasn't good at it, and I spent a lot of time with it. And back then, I blamed the skateboard. You know, it's – It's from uh, it's an inexpensive one, and it's clearly a beginner skateboard. But if I had the advanced kind, well, then I could do a bunch of tricks with it. Well, that's what I believed until my brother, one of his friends who was really good at skateboarding, came by the house one day, and he did a bunch of tricks on it. And I realized I was blaming the skateboard when it was really me that didn't have the skills because I didn't know how to think about practicing skateboarding tricks, right? So most people blame the situation or something else other than their way of thinking about their problem or their resources or their opportunities. So really thinking like a mind reader is understanding how your mind works so well that you could make the most out of what you already have, but currently aren't really doing a lot with. Yes, I see. So that is really a good approach. What would you say would be a good tip to practice working with our mind? Understanding how it works is really the first step because almost always somebody's first instinct to solve a problem is to look to something extra that they don't have, right? If, if I had this tool or if I had this opportunity, well, I'm stuck in this problem because I don't have this other thing somebody else has. And if I had that magical thing, then I would be able to finally solve my problems. But you know, there are lots of people that have less than you do who are doing more with what they have than you're doing with what you already have. So to me, step one is always understanding how to do more with what you already have. That's, that's square one. That makes perfectly sense. So what would be the next step then? Finding somebody who's doing what it is that you're already doing. Right. A lot of of what I've been able to do in my life and career is directly the result of being able to find a mentor who has already done what it is that I want to do 
and then shut up and listen to what they tell me to do, right? Because they, they've been through the experience already. They, by definition, know more than I do about exactly that thing I want to do. So I would, I would be missing out if I didn't listen and then apply what it is that they tell me to do. See, I may not understand why they're telling me to do this particular thing, and that's directly why they're my mentor. They know better than me. So I, I also have seen a lot of people who desperately want to make the most out of their life. They want to improve their situation. They want to do more with what they already have, but then argue with somebody that's showing them the way out, right? Oh, I, I can't do that because X, Y, and Z. Well, you know what X, Y, and Z are? You're arguing for your own limitations. You're arguing to keep your own problem. Right? So every time you argue with somebody that's showing you the path, all you're doing is showing them you're actually not ready to walk it. Yes, that makes sense. And Jonathan, because you collected so much knowledge during your career already, is it possible for the listeners to get you as a mentor? Yes, with a caveat. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's, I, I see kind of my career as every show that I do, every speaking engagement where I kind of outline these mental strategies for problem solving and, and improving your life. I'm on stage speaking to 20 to 5,000 people at a time, right? So I really, really like the one to many dynamic. And that's why companies pay me a lot of money to do that, right? Because I can help a lot of people All at the same time mm -hmm. so for one-on-one -on -one coaching it's kind of the the math well could I make more of an impact in this one person's life or for many people at the exact same time so it, it's kind of like you've got to make it worth the time and effort for me to spend my time with you the one person versus many people, right? So that's really why I wrote the book and made the video course was people can now kind of get that same knowledge and experience of working with me without me having to actually be there at that time, right? So when you read my book, you're still getting my thoughts about your situation. It's just that I'm not there to do it. Right. So you can, you can still learn from me without me having to be directly engaged. So if you read the book, you go through the video course and you apply a lot of what I share in there, you'll still be able to get a lot of the same benefits of working with me directly. But with other words, it is not impossible to get you as a coach. Right. It's, it's not impossible But uh, I like to put my book and video course as the barrier to make sure that you would get out of it what you would want, right? Because it's kind of like, well, you just booked me to coach at a, a lot of money. 
whereas you could have gotten it for 25 bucks in my book. <laughs> yes. So that's a good advice, of course. And while looking at your story, I found also that you have been on America's Got Talent, Jonathan. And I think this is a great story. Can you tell us how that went? Yeah, that that was a lot of fun. It was emotionally exhausting, but it was a lot of fun. Um, so, so how it worked was uh, the the America's Got Talent team came to Chicago and they have the the open audition calls. Uh, but if you're also kind of a, a performer that they know about, uh, they kind of will schedule your time there, so you don't have to just stand in line. It's still a, a long process. So you show up and and uh, you wait around, you sign a bunch of paperwork, and then you wait in this room, and then somebody shows up and calls your name, and then they, they take you into this room where it's just two people behind a table and a camera. And they go, all right, do what you do. And as a mentalist, it's kind of difficult, right? Because you need somebody's mind to read. So you go, well, one of you has to help with this. So they volunteer and they 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 go through the whole routine with you. And and then once you're done, they go, hey, could you do that again? Yeah, sure. All right, well, we'll take you to this other room with different people. Hang out until we come get you. And then you wait for another hour or two, and then you sign more paperwork, and then finally somebody shows up and takes you to another room where there are now eight people behind a big table, and now there are two cameras in the room. So then you you go through it again, and they go, oh, that was great. Can you hang out a while? Yeah, sure. Well, we'll take you upstairs. So they take you upstairs to the big waiting room that you see on the show, and then they move you around while they, they shoot a bunch of B-roll, and it just takes forever. And they go, okay, great, you'll hear from us. And then nothing for weeks. <laughs> and then you get an email going, hey, we would love to have you at the filming in New York. Can you do it? Sure, why not? So then they fly you out to New York, and this is the big thing, right? This is where you get to be in front of the judges. And and then it's all day of of interviews, of behind the scenes footage, of you getting ready. Okay, now do that again, but slower and this time, right? So you're just going through all the the filming, and then and then the the big moment comes. You're off stage, and then you walk out on stage in front of the the live audience of three thousand people, and there they are. There's Howard Stern and. Mel B and Heidi Klum and Howie Mandel, and uh, they they ask you to do your thing. You you do your thing, and they talk to you a little bit. And I got three out of the four yeses. Uh, Howie said no, but everybody else said yes. And Mel B was kind of on the fence. She she looked like she was going to say no. So I appealed to the audience. What do you think, everybody? And then they all start chanting, "Let him through! Let him through!" So that was super fun. And she finally said yes, and and so that was three out of four yeses, and I made it through to the next round. And you're not done yet, right? You walk off stage, and then you do more filming, and then they shoot more stuff, and, and it's just all day. And then they say, the producers say, all right, we'll be in touch, and then they never call you back. <laughs> <laughs> right? You go through months 
and months of of work and effort and planning and and making it happen and then see the the judges let through more people than make it onto the show fully right so that way the producers have more footage to work with to create the most compelling narrative for that season so all of that experience got reduced to a couple seconds of actual airtime. So I technically made it onto air, but not for my performance. <laughs> but you've been there and you went through the whole process. And what would you say did you learn from this whole project, America's Got Talent? One of the biggest things was there's no single make or break event. Right. It was the biggest opportunity of my career at the time. It was the this was going to happen. This was going to be it. And if I had pinned all of my future hope in being successful on being on this one show, well, I, I would have been devastated. Sure, it would have been great to be on the show. Could it have done amazing things to have a whole series of appearances on the, the program. Absolutely. Would it have been great to win? You bet. But does not being on it mean I'm a failure? Absolutely not. It just means you change up your strategy and keep plugging away, keep working day in, day out, do the thing you know you should be doing, which is providing quality service for a marketplace. That's it. Right. Sure. Wins are great. Losses are awful. But each one can teach you something to improve what you do tomorrow. That is so true. And I think with our critical and analytical mind, we just see a slot of reality. But there is so much more how things can work out. You never know. And I think when you have a good connection to your subconscious mind, that opens up tons of possibilities, how you can get from A to C. Exactly, exactly. Because everybody succeeds their way, right? Everybody thinks that I can only do it this particular way because so-and-so did it that way. Well, that was their way, right? There's a lot of, of knowledge and experience you can get from, from that, and it might even work for you. But, you know, there might be your way that works to get you where you want to go, which is, which is totally different. So believing that there's only this way to achieve what you want in life is a recipe for disaster. Yes, I think this is a good way to uh, put it. And Jonathan, you mentioned before that you are also doing speaking events for big companies. And when you are out on stage there, what do you teach people? I guess it's not mind reading secrets because we in the magic circle are not allowed to kind of give away these kind of secrets. But where is your focus there? What kind of content do you provide there? A lot of it can be framed as design thinking, right? So kind of thinking like an architect or a designer or a, a graphic designer or a website developer, um, 
I, I call it effect first thinking. Right? Most people are looking for strategies and solutions, but they never really take the time to define what outcome they want. Right? But as a mentalist, as a magician, what we do first is we think about our audience and then think, what experience do I want my audience to have? What effect do I want to perform? Do I want them to think I can read their mind? Do I want them to think I can tell the future? Do I want them to think I can influence their decision making? Right? And the more specifically you can define the effect you want the audience to experience, now you've defined the outcome. Then you work backwards and go, okay, what routine would be a fun context to create that effect for my audience? So now you start to frame that particular magic trick or mind reading trick or experience. So now you've got the routine figured out and then you think, all right, with that experience laid out, now how am I going to do that? Then you think of the method. Now you start figuring out methods that are possible. Well, oftentimes there are five or six different methods that could all create the same effect. But you, you filter those by way of the routine you want to perform. So that's how you judge what strategy you're going to use to create this outcome, right? So then once you've figured out the method, then you start practicing the skills you would need to make that method work, right? So that's kind of the sequence of the most effective problem solving. But most people think about, well, I've been practicing this method for long enough. What routine can I do with this method? Right. And then they go, well, I guess it'll be this trick. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's not how you create the most amazing outcome for your audience. So most people think method first, whereas the most effective performers, designers, business people think effect first and then work backwards from there. Yes, this is what I wanted to say. So you would agree with me. It's about thinking backwards from the big vision, the end result you would like to have and break it down then and go from there to the beginning. Exactly, exactly. You've got to start with the end and then find your path there rather than just wandering around hoping you'll end up somewhere interesting. All right, so we kind of could turn over the saying from Napoleon Hill, start with the end in mind. It's more like start with the end and have the beginning in mind. Exactly, exactly. Kind of start with the trick, start with the effect first. Yes, and then look for strategies and methods to accomplish that. Right. And it's, it's, it's more difficult that way. Right. It's it's easier to go, well, this is what I want to do already. And where will that take me? Right. But if you really think about where you want to go and then learn and figure out what you have to do to get there, that will be a lot more effective. Yes. 
Very good. So, Jonathan, we talked about your book, Think Like a Mind Reader. How is it best possible to get the book? It's to go to thinklikeamindreader.com. And there you'll find a link to Amazon.com where you can buy the book and also find the video course, which is a nice complement to the book itself. Now, here's a detail I want to save people time with is there is no digital version of the book. You can't buy the ebook or Kindle version of Think Like a Mind Reader. And that's because the book itself teaches the reader a mind reading trick and it's built into the book itself so the reader can use the book to make their friends think they can read minds and you can't do that with a kindle (laughs) so teaching people how to perform that effect really well is a, a great context for them to understand how to learn new skills so it's such a big part of of what it means to think like a mind reader is to learn how to to kind of perform like a mind reader. So I, I realize that's such a, a big uh, chunk of what I'm trying to share in the book. So that that's why I made the choice. Nope, no digital f- form. I, I can only offer it in physical format. That makes sense. So I really like that there is a like a performing effect in the book. So I think this is a really good motivation to get the book. And uh, <laughs> before you told me that you are still doing mentalism shows there. So there is an opportunity to see your life on stage in Chicago. Is that correct? Every once in a while, uh, even <laughs> most of my mentalism performances are are uh, for private clients like uh, BP or State Farm, just uh, corporate clients. So I rarely do shows for the public. But when I do, most often it's here in Chicago at a place called the Chicago Magic Lounge, which is uh, uh, kind of a newer venue. And it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. And it's a wonderful, wonderful place. So they have a bunch of different performers So every week you can come back and see a different show. So I'm there about once a month. And anytime I am, I share it on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, everywhere. You can't miss it. Very good. So you said before that it's close to impossible to get you as a coach or a mentor 101, but it is not absolutely impossible but maybe there are other reasons the listeners would like to connect with you what would be the best way for that jonathan the best way to do that is to go to uh, either think like a mind reader or just like a mindreader.com uh, those are kind of my two uh, hubs where you can find uh, out a lot about what i do and how i can help Okay, so I think really good, really good advice from the magic and mentalism side. And I like your approach about thinking all that and the mindset around it. So is there any quote you would like to share for the end now? 
Ooh. One of my favorite mantras is advocate, don't abdicate, which means always fight for yourself and work to be your own best advocate. Abdicate means to give up, to to let somebody else take responsibility, right? To give up your your power and authority. So it's it's always um, when I was younger, as a younger performer, I always thought, you know, I just need an agent. Once I get an agent, I'll be successful because they'll bring me so many shows. But nobody is more invested in your success than you are. So the more you go looking for somebody else to fix your problems, the less capable you're going to be to solve your own problems. So look to yourself, believe in yourself, cultivate the skills that will breed confidence, and you will be able to do a lot more than you ever thought possible when you thought somebody else was going to save you. That are so, so great words, full of wisdom, I think, Jonathan. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on Pure Mind Magic today. It was fantastic talking to you about all the magical things and the mentalism. And I think you really did inspire the listeners. And maybe we talk again one day. That would be fantastic. And uh, if you out there in podcast land want to say hello please send me a note my inbox is always open that's great thanks again jonathan have a good time and bye bye my pleasure thanks magic creators out there you guessed it i couldn't help but bring a mind reader to the show When you like the episode, please subscribe to the Pure Mind Magic podcast and share it with your friends on social media. And if you haven't already, grab your free audiobook. Maybe you are now interested in the topic of mind reading, profiling, reading thoughts, performing mentalism. Then you can pick an audiobook on that completely for free. Just click on the link in the show notes for that. And as promised, tomorrow, Wednesday, I have prepared a special midweek motivation for you that is called the unknown so make sure to tune in tomorrow again and until then create some magic <laughs>